This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Oftentimes you you think you can do something, but when you actually put yourself into a situation where you're near failure and then you find that extra thing inside you, then you're able to shift your your perspective about what you can do. And it's experience that tells you that, you know, you can't read about it in a book and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, attempt to do this. You, You need to actually go and experience it. And I think that is what I'm attempting to get across in these different stories in various different ways. There's lots of different ways to, to do it. And, and th- this is a book predominantly in the, in the physical realm of challenging yourself where there's these limits of, you know, I want to stop. Your brain says, I, I can't go any further. I'm too tired. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm done. And then what's that moment to be on that? last time that you had an adventure? Think about it for a moment. Maybe you went skiing somewhere new this past winter, or maybe you've been to the beach and gone snorkeling recently, or maybe you just decided to drive a new route to work. (laughs) Adventure comes in many forms, but my guest today is going to take adventure to an epic level. Today, I talk with Tim Walder. Tim Walder is the CEO and president of Grand Dynamics International. It is a company that designs and delivers radically innovative corporate events and retreats using adventure as a medium to bring out the best in business leaders and teams. In addition, he is the recent best-selling author of All In Adventure Stories, the bold pursuit of your potential. And that is what we're going to be discussing today. My mentor, Todd Durkin, often says, live a life worth telling a story about. Well, you're going to hear through our conversation that Tim Walder has lived a life worth telling many stories about. (laughs) And he shares those stories in his book, and he talks about some of them today in our conversation. And I guarantee you are going to get something from this episode. So without giving away too much, I'm going to just invite you to sit back and listen in as Tim Walder shares his story. Tim Walder, I can't tell you how many times over the past few years I have thought there's going to be a moment where the two of us sit down and do a podcast episode about your recent best-selling book, All in Adventure Stories. I cannot believe that we're finally here. I know. It's so, so, so exciting. I'm so thankful for all your help, all your help over the however, however many years it's been. It seems like it's been years. Um, it's been, a, yeah, a long time. So, so excited. I mean, I just got goosebumps just like, you know, hearing you say that. So it's it's been, you know, a long time coming. For sure. It's been a long time coming. Our good friend, Rick Ivone, we'll give him a quick shout out, dear friend to both of us, introduced us. I don't even remember exactly when it was, but I do remember our first conversation where you said, 
you know, Rick said that maybe you'd be able to help me put together some of these stories. I've kind of had some adventures and, you know, I've got a lot of them. I'm not sure exactly how they fit together or how it's going to work. Right. And, and we took off from there and I'm holding in my hand the colored hard copy version as we speak of an incredible compilation. Uh, we're going to dive into that in a minute. But what I want to start with is from that first conversation where this was just sort of a seed of an idea with a lot of content and, and not a really clear direction. Can you share what this writing experience has been like for you? Well, I mean, I feel like it's been the ultimate adventure, you know, like endurance adventure, really. It's so many different levels, so many different uh, parts of the writing, so many highs, lows, second guessing, rewriting, trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to communicate, how I wanted to communicate, why I wanted to communicate it, um, you know, with ultimately just coming back to how are these stories going to inspire and impact other people to have, you know, to have people live their best lives, you know, and that was really the foundation of it. And, you know, I have a corporate adventure training business with lots of, you know, teaching principles and concepts and I had co co-authored, you know, books and blogs and written some, you know, various different things, but I've never written my own solo book. And this was the book that I've always been dreaming about writing, you know, um, the adventure stories that I've lived through. So it's, you know, the, the first question that I was, you know, that you have to ask is what's, what's the most important book that you want to write for yourself, you know? Um, so for me, that was, that was the question. And, and my life's been uh, you know, filled with all these different adventures. I have an adventure training company that I delivered experiences for other people. But along the way, my whole existence has been about challenging myself in these various different domains. And, and you know, that's been an evolution over 30 years. Uh, but I didn't want the stories to be about me. You know, I wanted them to be about the people I shared these experiences with in a way that would be a catalyst for other people to see, even if they don't, you know, someone's not into the extreme adventures, we can talk, we'll talk about some of the different adventures, but um, it was, it was really the, the writing process was about what's the book that's most important to me. That's going to keep me driven to continue the process because it's been, you know, it's not the easiest thing for me. And it just kept, I just kept, had to keep working at it and working at it and rewriting and reconsidering and the amount of sleepless nights and the amount of, you know, just second guessing and then finally getting to a place where like, oh, that's it. Okay. That's it. I can move on to this, you know, this next, this next piece, you know, has been, you know, just endless. So some people say it's like birthing a baby, you know, <laughs> it takes a lot of time to just get it right. And then you go through that painful process of getting it out to the world. There was a moment not too long ago where I actually saw a video of you on Facebook, uh, where you actually got this box from Amazon and it was in your driveway and you opened it up and got to actually hold it in your hand for the first time. Tell us what that felt like. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, um, 
the very first draft copy that I received, it just so happened that my uh, my parents were here visiting. So it was a very special, you know, just coincidence that, you know, I got to share that moment with them. So it was, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, the culmination of manifesting something, which, you know, we all strive to do in our lives and when it actually happens you know the the goal actually comes to fruition that the thing that you're you've been envisioning for years uh takes place it's yeah it's magic so it was it was like one of those one of those landmark moments for sure yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That uh, when you have this dream, this vision, and then it actually manifests into something real, it's um, it is magical, really magical. Obviously, I've been with you from the beginning, and I've seen all the writing that you did, all the rewrites that you did. I helped you with the the content and and helping to get this together. I just want to share a little bit about some of the things I love about this book as we sort of dive into what's into it. Originally, when we first started working on it, you were really clear that you didn't want this book to be about you. And yet these stories are your stories. And so working on this book in a way that it shared these, you could actually read this book on so many levels. One level is you could read about some incredible, crazy, right to the edge adventures. So if you're someone out there listening and you just love adventure stories, you could pick it up, pick up any chapter, standalone chapter and read an incredible story and be inspired and sort of live on the edge just from that. You could also then learn a lesson from it. You could actually incorporate that adventure, even if you're not an adventure to the edge kind of person, you could just think about how you can incorporate the lesson that Tim, you learned into your own life and, and use it in some way for your own life. You could also maybe be inspired to do your own adventure. Maybe there's something in here that's like, man, that's something I've always wanted to do and maybe get out and do it. And even in the back, and this came about much later, um, the point where you said, hey, I actually think there's a method here that I could put together. So somebody who is wanting to do an adventure of some sort could actually have a system and a process. So if that's you and you're listening right now, there's actually an all-in adventure method outlined in the back of this book. So you could incorporate it that way. And I really think that is the uniqueness of the book. It is these multiple layers, people from any walk of life in any dimension could get something from reading it. When you hear me say that, how does that make you feel? What do you think with that, Tim? Well, it's a few things. Uh, in the training development world, like there's training and there's development, right? Training or training relates to specific skills that you're going to apply. So the in, in the adventure world, it's very specific strategies for how to swim, how to climb, how to free dive, things like that. Um, there's some of that in the book certainly like this is how i specifically went about the uh the methods of of accomplishing these different adventures but the other part of it is the development aspect which is really the growth as an individual that i went through during the process of actually living through these adventures and the goal of the book was primarily the second part right the development which was 
the thoughts that were going through my mind, the emotions that I was experiencing, and how to work through the difficult moments when the challenges get almost seemingly, you know, insurmountable. And I think those are the types of things that we all deal with on a day-to-day basis and some small, some big. And, you know, sharing the stories in a very graphic way of the challenges that, you know, the, the design of it really was to um, to get across some of the strategies that I've learned and studied. I mean, I've spent my entire life and working career uh, studying psychology, right? And how to apply the concepts of how you think about a situation, how you communicate with others, um, and how you reframe an experience. If, if you're having something that's seemingly a terrible thing, how, how do you get through that? And how do you deal with that? Um, so that aspect of the psychology and the like the the thing of the thing, the, the thing with the stories behind the stories were really what I wanted to get across. And so there's a lot of even subconscious lessons that I that I attempted to put in into the story format that people may or may not be picking up on even consciously as they read the story. But there was a there's a specific design to that. And I learned that from years and years of studying some of the greatest motivational speakers. This is where this all came from, the psychology of of how I applied some of these principles to the adventure setting. And, you know, the adventure experiences are very, very real experiences, um, you know, literally on the edge of life and death. And it's really, really important to to keep it together <laughs> when you're in these moments, right? And to be able to uh, to use some of the skills that I share in the book, and those things are transferable, right? So the skills of um, of of understanding and applying principles of psychology. That I mean, you, I'm sure you've heard this many, many times before that life is 90% psychology and 10% strategy, right? It's like how you approach and how you think and how you engage with the world, what you choose to focus on. These are the most important things. And there are things that can apply to anyone's life, whether they're trying to go plan some big uh, adventure objective, climbing, skiing, uh, swimming, whatever that is, or they're just looking at the next business opportunity, how to you know, how to mold a, a relationship, you know, in their with their family or their friends or uh, in a social situation and how to engage with others. And so there's all that development aspect. And it's funny because the all in adventure method didn't really come to fruition until towards the end of the writing process. And it wasn't until I had finished writing a large majority of the chapters and kept looking at all these different lessons. Um, you had coached me at the very beginning. You're like, listen, we got to start with like, what are the lessons I'm taking out of the, each of these stories? And so I started thinking about and recognizing some of the patterns in the stories. And I'm like, okay, there's all these different patterns. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a models, methods, tools guy, right? And so I was like, this is a framework that can apply to anyone in seven steps. And each of the steps um, can be useful, um, particularly when they're all put together in an adventure context is when it all comes together, really, and it can be applied to various different scenarios. But um, I was really happy to see that come together in a way that I think people will be able to tangibly take and apply some of these different ideas to daily living. So, um yeah, those are a few yeah. thoughts on that. And it's part of that. I think, you know, in all the years that I've been working with writers, I think because you gave yourself the time to work on this so that some of these things just sort of 
started showing up. You couldn't have predicted that that pattern was going to be available to you, that you'd see it at the beginning, right? You had to kind of let it gestate and percolate a little bit. And then all of a sudden it started rising up to the surface. Yeah. And it was really neat because, well, you know, just when you thought the book was done, I had to go write another chapter, right? And (laughs) you're like, what? You're writing another chapter? Well, like, you know, the last adventure that I wrote about in the book, the Grand Teton Ultra, um, which was, you know, the big run from downtown Jackson and soloing the Grand Teton and running back to the town of Jackson. I decided to write that chapter. Um, and and even more, when I was planning the whole thing, I was like, you know what, I'm going to test this method. I'm going to apply it. And I'm going to see how it all goes. And so, um, you know, months before I actually attempted this large objective of mine, I started with the all in adventure method and and I did it before the whole thing took place. It helped me to to plan and strategize and train for it and break it down into all the parts that I needed to 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 take into consideration to make it a successful objective. And then in the middle of the thing, it you know, so it's like a before, during, and after type uh, situation where you can apply this method. In the middle of it, I was doing the same thing. And one of the biggest things when you get an adventure or error in life is risk management. That's one of the one of the seven steps is the risk analysis. And it was really important that I was that I had a framework to make specific decisions along the way where I sat down and I said, okay, am I ready to, you know, I've been running for 25 miles. Um, I've gone 8,000 vertical feet. Um, Am I ready to free solo and risk my life to get to the final part of this objective? And, you know, when you, when you can reframe decisions to enable to you for, to enable you to make good ones in a, in a situation where the consequences may be very, very, dire if you make the wrong decision it's important to have a framework right and so i was able to apply that and then you know accomplish the objective and do so in a, in a safe and and effective way and at the end of it i was able to debrief and look at it and be like okay well how did this all work and so that's what the last chapter is which is very cool to me because it took everything from just the beginning of the whole writing process to writing all the stories and dissecting dissecting all the lessons that came out of these other 17 stories and then creating this method and, and then applying it and putting it into action. So there's a real specific example of how people can utilize the method at the end of the book, which is pretty cool. Very, very cool. So for those of you that are starting to get interested and intrigued by what all these adventures are, let's, let's talk about some of them so, so you can hear what they might be. Um, Tim, you have literally traveled the world. You're sitting, as we speak, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You've got the Grand Tetons behind you. Um, But you have traveled and done adventures in Latin America, South America, Africa. You have literally traveled the globe doing this. and, And so many of those stories are in here. I'd like to start with the story of Thailand. It was one of the first stories that you shared with. It wasn't the first story you shared with me. It was it was one of the first. Um, but there was a pivotal event. Obviously, you're going to talk about it here. But there was also a pivotal moment that changed the trajectory of how you were viewing your life and what contribution you had to make. So I want to share that story because I think it talks about another piece of adventure that you have discovered because of that experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the chapter chapter two is uh, rock climbing in the 
Thailand tsunami. And the, you know, so live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I became somewhat uh, addicted, maybe you could use that word, but, you know, I was a bit fanatical about rock climbing and the experiences that I gave me and the emotional connections that I gained from the experience of getting out and challenging myself through rock climbing. It's an amazing, beautiful sport that is accessible to, to many different types of people, beginning level experts, whatever. Um, and so I found myself <clears throat> early on uh, more leaning towards alpinism and mountain climbing. So there's rock climbing when you're climbing short, you know, uh, lengths and distances, and it's more technical. And then there's climbing mountains, right? Those are kind of, and then those things are interrelated. But I wasn't a very good rock climber, right? I was, I was a, I was decent at, you know, getting making my way up the mountains. I'm gonna keep going and and the endurance of it. Um, but in terms of the technical skills, I didn't really have, uh, you know, I wasn't really very skilled with with rock climbing. So I decided to make that an objective, and I decided to to make my objective to climb 512. Now, 512 was a grade in rock climbing that, you know, at the time um, was a very, very difficult grade of rock climbing. And there's been quite the evolution over the last 10 years of with rock climbing, really. Um, but at the time, that was the golden number, right? If you could climb 512, then you are a really serious rock climber, right? And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I made that my objective. So I um, had been climbing for a number of years, but I specifically went through a whole series of training objectives, um, a, a sequence. I called it 10 weeks to Thailand. And it was a very, very rigorous training protocol that prepared me for this trip to trial. And, and, and in fact, it was my first internet, first big international trip, right? So I chose a destination on the recommendation of my good friend, Jared Spackman. And uh, you know, started analyzing the different uh, type of climbing that I would be doing, and ultimately ended up going to Thailand and and starting to climb with my my good friend Ryan Ernst, who was my climbing partner, adventure partner for that trip. So it was a month long trip, and uh, I you know showed up as as well prepared uh, as I could for that uh, series of you know of experiences that I would have. So we started up north in Chiang Mai, did a bunch of kind of climbing there for a couple of weeks, met a guy named Josh Morris, who ended up has become a lifelong friend. Um, he's set up a lot of the routes in Thailand and whatnot. Um, soon thereafter, we went down south. And this is where, you know, I would achieve my objective of red pointing at 512. And even Josh was like, this is the climb you want to do. So we went down there and, of course, started try, uh, attempting that route. It was very difficult to climb. Um, couldn't do it initially. And this is, you know, basically had about three weeks to try to, you know, climb 512. And the uh, about two weeks in right around uh, Christmas Eve, um, we were there. And I got sick, actually, on Christmas Eve, and I had you know, what they call the Tonsai bug I had a really bad flu bug, woke up the next morning. And something really, really odd happened. We were in our, we were both sick and we we're in our bungalow there in Thailand in the jungle. And we heard this loud shaking, kind of crashing uh, earthquake, basically. Whole bungalow shook. And it was an experience that was like, just so odd, right? And so one thing led to another. Um, we went down to the beach to investigate. And sure enough, 
we experienced the Thailand tsunami firsthand, face to face. And the first wave had come in, everything was demolished on the beach. We looked out onto the ocean and there was a huge second wave forming in the ocean. And we're right in the middle of the whole thing. It was total pandemonium and chaos. And um, that experience and going through the Thailand tsunami, um, with just being there for that and being sick and seeing all the people and people literally being washed out into the ocean, um, to never come back, uh, was, you know, just monumental, you know? And so after the initial experience of that in front of the tile, in front of the tsunami, we were, uh, trying to figure out what to do. Everyone was like evacuated off the Island, but we chose to stay with a handful of other climbers to help, you know, do what we could to fix up the, the beach and all that sort of stuff. And to help the locals with their businesses that had been demolished. Um, and, you know, so a week later, after all that and staying there and, and being in that, we weren't really climbing that much. I still hadn't done accomplished my objective, right? And and we were like, okay, we got to try this right before we leave. We, you know, literally packed up our bags. We're waiting on the beach for the boat to take us. You can only access this island by boat where we were. And we gave it one last shot. And sure enough, for whatever reason, um, there was a blessing on us and we were able to send this particular route that was our original objective that we had attempted to, to go and, and do. And so we, we, we achieved our cl climbing of 512 on that trip. We, we had climbed a bunch of other 512s, but not successfully red pointing or whatever. So this was the monumental moment. And it was one of those moments, to answer your question, very long-winded answer, but we climbed this thing and I climbed it and Ryan climbed, tried to climb it first. He fell. And then I actually successfully did it. And then, then the miraculously, he actually sent it to you. So we've both been successful. We get on the boat and we're leaving and I'm looking back and just thinking about everything that just had happened. And suddenly everything just seems so trivial, you know, like, okay, like really is rock climbing really that important? What about all these people that are dead you know washed away gone and what about all the kids that lost their parents you know and yeah so it was just one of those moments that was just like you know what there's something more to uh life yeah so what did you do when you came back? So I decided to, uh, I reached out to my friend, Josh, who I'd met the, the uh, you know, the couple weeks before in Chiang Mai and said, hey, let's uh, work together to raise some funds. And I took my story and I uh, went around the country um, and started raising money and funds. And ultimately, you know, a year later went back I started sending some money about six months, uh, but it took me like a year. I mean, it was, this was a long process of, of uh, recovery for, for Thailand, but my effort was to support the orphan children that had lost their parents. So we created a sport and education fund and to, to give orphan children um, some resources to have a better life. And we went back with a team of our grand dynamic psychologists and experiential educators and worked with the orphanage directors to give them some tools to help the children process and reframe and use some 
uh, neuro-linguistic programming and things like that to assist them to work with the children uh, as best they could to also provide the psychological um, support in addition to just resources to, you know, for, um, you know, everything from, you know, soccer balls and, and you know, things like that. So they could just have recreation opportunities and just, you know, be more active and, and have a, a bit of a better life. So we started the Sport and Education Fund for a particular or, or, uh, orphanage in, in Thailand and, uh, and also trained a whole bunch of directors that came to our training event. So um, that was the, the, the main impetus of, of the, the fundraising and the goal setting and, and what we did. So it was really great. And in there, being there with all the kids and having that moment of seeing that come to fruition after raising that money. I mean, halfway through it, I had my car broken in and all the money I'd raised up to that point in Atlanta uh, including my LCD projector, everything got stolen. So I had to start all over, you know, and I was like, you know what? Okay, whatever. I'm just going to keep going. So it wasn't like it was easy. And at the time, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't all the social media. This is like in 2004, people weren't even using cell phones at that point, you know? So it was, it was, <laughs> it wasn't like the marketing was today to get people to show up to events and all that sort of stuff. So um, it was, it was a long process and one that, was transformative and one that because of that in every adventure um, to Morocco and Alaska and Kenya and Cuba and every time that I would start thinking about what I wanted to do with my adventure travel and how I wanted to challenge myself and share that with other people I always thought like how can I have a give back of component to this to this experience and I think, you know, oftentimes people put categories of people that are into adventure experiences, climbers and things like that as a very hedonistic pursuit. Uh, it's a very individualistic pursuit. Okay, you're spending all this time skiing or climbing or whatever. Um, and, you know, it, until you actually, unless you're in, in these sports and understand what they do for you, it's very hard to understand. And it's very easy to to cast a stone at people and say, oh, you spend all this time skiing. Why would you want to do that? But there's something deeper, particularly, I think there's also people that are in these, uh, that engage in these sports that can actually benefit from looking at a deeper level and what they can get out of it. And it's not just about yourself. It's about optimizing yourself so you can better be a better human being for other people. And in the process, you can also think about how you can use your skills to positively impact other people when you're going on these adventures. And so you can volunteer. There's lots of different ways to do it, right? And so I just found my niche of what felt really great to me was looking at where I could find orphanages and how I could help the directors using my my skill set of psychology and experiential learning. And so that's what I chose to focus on largely um, when I would do these adventure travel uh, trips and things like that. So so great. So great. And I think that's right. You know, I think it's that there is a, a different layer to it and there's a lot of heart behind it. And, and it's not just about the achievement. It's about the contribution and, and what can you do with it to, to be better for yourself so you can be better for the, for the greater community. Absolutely. And I'm, I love that you actually brought up the, that the, the money was stolen, <laughs> the projector was stolen because as, as people read through this book, they're going to see that there was not really a straight line, like everything went perfectly in any one of these adventures. <laughs> Every one of these adventures was wrought with 
lots of challenges and lots of danger. Uh, in, in some of the stories, they're going to read that you actually tore up your elbow at one point. Right. Uh, you had ACL injuries. You lost part of a finger at one point. Um, there's a, exactly, there's um, a lot of, a lot of right on the edge living life or death situations. And in, in some cases, the people you are with or the people that you are in your adventure world did not live. You lost some really close people and people are going to read a little bit about them too. And I would love to take just a moment and, and share a little bit of the people that were so important to you that lost their life doing the thing that they loved. Yeah. Um, interesting. It's the book's dedicated to uh, Jared Spackman and Gary Falk, who <clears throat> were two of my most prolific adventure partners. And, you know, they were best friends. And they were people that I shared, you know, shared adventures with, right? Climbing, skiing, largely climbing at the time. Um, but just countless days of, you know, trusting each other to literally save each other's lives on on the sharp end, you know, when we're climbing together and, and belaying each other up these very difficult, precarious, you know, mountain routes. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they, uh, they, they both passed away in different, about four years apart from each other. Um, Jared was attempting a first descent in Grand Teton National Park, snowboarding descent, died of a uh, avalanche and trauma. And Gary Falk, four years later, was guiding on the Grand Teton, and uh, the incident involved one of his pieces of webbing, a knot popping, and um, you know, falling off the cliff's edge down into Valhalla Canyon on the Grand Teton. So they were, you know, just, I mean, that experience of going through uh, the death of a loved one, particularly someone that, you know, feels like your brother was in and of itself just traumatic, you know, the, it was very traumatic. And so, you know, it, it caused me to reflect a lot about, you know, why I was doing the things that I was doing, how I was doing the things I was doing and, you know, accidents in the mountains and, you know, and not just for myself, but the impact that the death of anyone has on other people, right. And the choices that you're making. And, and, and this is another point of, controversy uh around people to go out and you know risk their lives to to do things that people just don't understand why and it's like okay how do you unpack this idea that you that going out and challenging yourself in extreme situations is is important and how do you manage the risk and how you make the good decisions when you're doing it and and what is it really worth you know and 
you know, people go through various different evolution stages of development, um, things that are important, values and all these different things. And there are times in your life, particularly, you know, when you're younger in your 20s that, you know, it's, it's maybe you're not married, you don't have a family yet, you know, you don't have other people relying on you extensively yet. And so maybe the the risk is a little bit less in your in your opinion, as to how you're approaching living. And maybe it's maybe a little bit risk is, is okay in that context. But I think, uh, people oftentimes just don't have the awareness to make good decisions. And as, you know, maybe not important as people may perceive them because they're not married or have a family, you're still important, you know? So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot in there, but, um, part of why I wrote these stories is that I wanted to share, <clears throat> you know, some of the moments that I went through and how I made certain decisions and all the mistakes that I made along the way, frankly, I mean, I'm lucky to be alive as well. Um, and, you know, I have this conversation with, with, with Nisha and my, my wife now, and, you know, it's still an ongoing conversation. She's like, you need to make good decisions. I'm like, well, I've been learning for 30 years. I mean, and it's like, it doesn't mean there's not risk in the things that you're doing. But the more you learn and more you experience, you're, you're going to be able to, uh, to apply a process that's going to allow you to make better, better decisions. And I think part of my objective is to get this book out. The people that are doing these, these types of adventuresome things is to get people to, you know, maybe pause a little bit more and to, and, and to think about the decisions that are being made because um, of the impact. It's, it's not just about you, right? It's about the you know, the extension of your impact with everyone that loves you and, and, and what, how you can, the difference you're going to make on in, in the world, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, thank you. It's a very difficult thing to actually talk about. I haven't really <laughs> talked about it that much. So, yeah. Yeah. It is a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to, for somebody who maybe is listening and, and, and has that question, like, how can you put yourself on that edge? How can you, you know, take those kinds of risks? And um, what is that all about? I think you, you just described that really well about it isn't, it isn't about the risk. It's how you actually make the decisions that take you to that edge. And that finding your edge is, is part of this experience of life. You know, what is the point where you, are at that that moment where you can transform, where you can go to another level, where you can achieve something different, where you can become something different. That edge is different for you, for me, for everyone. But how many of us are getting off the couch and trying to seek where that edge is? Yeah. And, and, you know, that in that conversation around, you know, what holds people back from discovering what that is? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of fear that goes into, you know, not wanting to push yourself to a certain level. And that's a whole nother big topic of conversation. Um, but, you know, there are ways to push, push yourself. There's lots of, lots of different ways to push yourself. Um, but when you, when you do, and, you know, the, the benefit of discovering something that you didn't understand about yourself before is monumental, right? And it transfers into every aspect of your life from your capacity to deal with the everyday stresses 
I mean, things that I've gone through over the last 30 years, I mean, I, I have things come up with business and it's like, you know, it's relatively unfazed by a lot of things because of the extent of other things that I've dealt with. And, and, and I purposely pushed myself through difficult things to be able to uh, better manage other aspects of life. And hopefully, you know, it's, it's obviously continuous evolution, you know, but when, when you can explore your limits and you can go to those places that you never dreamed of, then, you know, everything changes, you know, so. I'd love to share on page 263, you actually write about this. Let me, let me read what you write about this. You probably won't even remember writing this. <laughs> Part of the allure of the adventure experience is finding the edge of our capacity. The edge lies just beyond our perception of what's possible. A fraction further than total failure requires everything we have to make it. It's the furthest intersection of our ability and the level of challenge and that place where we drop into flow. Sometimes that moment arises during the most difficult part of a challenge, the hardest move on a climb, the steepest section of a ski descent, or a swim through the roughest water. Other times the challenge is just difficult because of our physical state of being. Fatigue can make almost any challenge difficult. In either situation, the moment challenge us to, challenges us to go deeper than ever before. And often what it takes to continue on is to go deep within ourselves and summon every bit of what we've got. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 uh, that's a nice, that's a nice passage. I, I think, uh, was that in, in the, the Lake to Lake chapter? It is. Yeah. You said, I found my edge that day on Jenny Lake. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a moment. And, you know, and it's, it's interesting, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk these days about flow theory and optimal states of performance and, you know, all the, the daily distractions we have with digital things and phones and all that and, um, and how we can really get into a, a an optimal state of, of flow um, and then find find that edge of our capacity. And you know, there's there's a lot of research out there that says, okay, well, it's four percent beyond what you think you, you can do. And it's like, well, how do you actually calculate that four percent? Well, you have to start by exploring what it is. And oftentimes you you think you can do something, but when you actually put yourself into a situation where you're near failure, and then you find that extra thing inside you then you're able to shift your your perspective about what you can do. And it's experience that tells you that, you know, you can't read about it in a book and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, attempt to do this. You, you need to actually go and experience it. And I think that is what I'm attempting to get across in these different stories in various different ways. There's lots of different ways to, to do it. And, and th this is a book predominantly in the, in the physical realm of challenging yourself where there's these limits of, you know, I want to stop. Your brain says, I, I can't go any further. I'm too tired. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm done. And then what's that moment to be on that? So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing it. It's exactly right. And I, and I want to reiterate, if you're a listener out there and you're thinking, well, I'm not going to be, you know, going to my edge in a, a lake to lake swim or a, a rock climbing 512 or something like that. It is the edge, as you said earlier, 
in any capacity? What's your edge in business? What's your edge in your relationship? What's your edge in your own physical health? Um, where are you reaching to find that, you know, quote unquote, 4% more? <laughs> well, it's, you know, the, the, the idea, like, you know, to start sharing some of these stories with people and some people may say, um, no way that's impossible or or whatever the context is or that you can see some of these examples examples of what other people are doing in any physical realm and and just the initial concept of perceiving something how you perceive what you're capable of uh you know my my capacities are a result of years and years of training you know it's like i didn't just suddenly be able to you know do all these different things it's it's a result of consistent daily focus training and 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 daily pushing yourself to to different levels right so this is a cumulative effect and and when people say um i can't do something it's really they're just saying i'm choosing not to i'm choosing not to dedicate to myself to this type of sport so that I can explore the limits of what I can do. And so there's there's so many things that are within the realm of possibility for so many people if you choose to focus yourself in a certain way, right? And we all have different desires and motivations and focus areas and things we want to achieve. So um, it just depends on where you want to put that, right? And so whatever your thing is, uh, there's always a room to go uh, a little bit more and to test your limits to see what's possible. So, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, again, reiterating what you said about it, it's so much your perception of it, your mindset around it. Um, on page 89, you're, you're talking about your um, running, your ultra endurance running, mm -hmm. and you share another lesson and this was the lesson that you learned from the race, which was have a plan and stick to it. And it says, when I focus on the process, instead of obsessing about the outcome, mm. whether in a race or not, the experience of movement becomes an enjoyable pursuit and heightened performance comes along with it. And perhaps most importantly, success or failure is not defined in any given moment. Real empowerment lies in what you learn from the experience and how you apply it in the future. Anything you do is a success if you are open to learning from it. Mm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great passage. And I particularly, so the book is filled with a lot of lessons that I learned from some of my most favorite mentors, right? Uh, all sorts of different people. And uh, that specific lesson um, in the chapter there is uh, relates to Stu Middleman, right? The world ultra uh, running Hall of Famer and, you know, just Stu Middleman's epic. And he, I was, I was lucky enough to have him early on in, in my life to begin to, to drive some of these lessons into how I was approaching my, my the things that I was going to do in relation to endurance and nutrition and fitness and training and all these different things. And he taught me very early on that it's important to differentiate between your outcome goals and your process goals. And you can have an objective to climb a mountain, to run a race, to swim a lake, to do whatever these things are. Um, and that's, 
it's important to begin with something. Uh, the what is important to begin to to have an objective in your mind. But when you get into the arena of the of the actual experience of attempting the thing, it's very important to shift into a process mode and focus on being present and and really, really dialing in your awareness of self in the in the process of it. And when you're when you're when you shift into that mode, when you're in the experience, then um, then you're then you're really able to tap into a different um, a different sense of how you're experiencing the experience. Right. So, um, yeah, a lot of these things. And it's interesting. It's like, OK, <laughs> you yeah, know, have a plan. And it's like he's like, what's your plan? I'm like, um, well, I think it was like uh, run a sub 80 10 mile race, you know, at the time this mountain race, this course. And he's like, he's like, that's your plan. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, let's, 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 let's talk about it. You know, and really the plan is to run your best race, to be your best self in the moment of whatever it is you're doing. Right. There's, I mean, where people are constantly talking about how to be, how to be present, how to be focused and in the moment. And really that's the objective, right? It's, it's whenever you're doing whatever particular thing you're doing, how to get in the flow space is when you can stop thinking about the things in the in the past or the future, and you're just here and doing the best you can in that moment. And that's, that's something you need to train yourself to do. And so things like adventure sports and these different objectives gives you the experience of enabling you to take that and focus on the process and really dial it in for yourself. So it's it's really uh it's yeah thank you for sharing that it's great there's uh it's so many lessons in this book i would love to share all of them um but people you have to go buy the book and read it to learn them <laughs> to read them yourself yeah. um i do want to spend a little bit of time talking about how you integrate this you actually share in the book that back in college you had a professor who was talking about experiential learning and you know how to incorporate and apply adventure into your life. And so way back in college, you know, some seed must have been planted of how can I actually do this in my own life? How can I take these things that I love to do and these philosophies and psychology interests that I have and, and actually use it as a career? How did you come about deciding Grand Dynamics was the way that you were going to make that happen? And can you share with the listeners what Grand Dynamics is so that they understand what you actually do, you know, the other 80 hours of your week. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll start with that and then I'll back it up. Uh, you know, Grand Dynamics is an experiential training and development company. So what we do is we create experiences for business teams, leaders, executive teams, uh, large corporations with all their employees. And we create experiences that are focused on um, the training and development. So it's typically soft skills development where we're teaching things like how to be a better team, how to communicate more effectively, how to engage with each other to help uh, level each other's performance up so that the team and the whole organization can benefit. And so that takes place in a lot of different ways. We have a lot of different, um, you know, a half day, full day team building events, some adventure programs, some indoor seminars. Um, multi-day executive retreats is one thing we do really well, and we work with some of the most elite uh, business teams and a, a wide variety of different types of business teams. But anytime you have a team and a group of people that is working together towards a common objective, we come in and we help to accelerate and facilitate the process of people doing that just a little bit better. So um, that's what we do for a business model. 
And uh, how I got about that was when I was going into college, I was I was really actually you know <laughs> mostly interested in philosophy. And uh, I went to Ithaca College in upstate New York, and there were various different, at the time, there were some options, and I was thinking about majoring in philosophy, and my father uh, had some wise words for me at the time, and he was like, you know, that's, you know, if you want to be a, just a college professor, and that's what you want to do, well, maybe that's you know, philosophy, but um, you need the beef, you know, and I was like the beef. He's like, yeah, business. You have to understand the way the world works, you know? And I was like, okay, yeah. Okay. That's, that's really important. But I was also really important just how people thought about the world and how they thought about life and things like that. And the closest thing to that was psychology. So I started getting really interested in understanding psychology and how people thought about work. And so, the combination was was ended up being applied business psychology. And so I was taking the combination of business psychology and corporate communication, which was my minor, and bringing them all together. And I thought, okay, how do I combine psychology and business in a way that I can actually have, you know, a, a job, <laughs> work somewhere? And those are various different consulting companies that that you know that offer sort of strategic business consulting and things like that but that really wasn't my main thing and then i just so happened to come out and visit my brother in jackson and he introduced me to adventure really um on a larger scale climbing mountains whitewater rafting mountain biking all these different things and suddenly i was like wait a minute like people uh, I, this is what people do like adults i thought this was like what kids did you know and it was like oh no people actually do this like as part of their life, they go out and explore, you know, the outdoors. And so with that frame, I went back to school and I started talking about being in Jackson and in, in my major and a college professor was like, oh, okay. And he gave me this article, Corporate Adventure Training. And it was written by this guy, Todd Miner, who actually had a business doing experiential training and development. And I was like, wait a minute, do you take business teams out of their office and into the wilderness and give them experiences so they can be better in, in back in the office. And I was like, okay, this is, I think this is something that I want to explore. So that was the beginning of it. And, you know, there's lots of evolutions to that, but um, it was the perfect combination for me to combine adventure and psychology and business in a way that I could contribute. Uh, so, yeah, it's Amazing. been 25 years. We just celebrated 25 years in business with Grand Dynamics. So we deliver stuff all over the country and have done stuff all over the world. So. It's pretty neat to keep keep being able to do that. Huge success. 25 years. Congratulations on that. Could you share just a moment? Because this was a one that you did just recently. Um, could you just share, just to give a little more practical ex um, example of that, could you share the cave experience that you just created? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll try to keep this brief because it's super fascinating. Um, but it turns out Josh Morris, the guy that I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago in, in Thailand, who lives an American who lives in Thailand, he was an integral part of the Thailand cave rescue when that happened, when all the boys were stuck in the cave and there were thousands of people in 29 countries that were attempting to get these boys out of the cave. And <clears throat> short of it is <clears throat> Josh was integrally involved in that in that uh, program and he has actually been doing uh, basically a lot, a lot of Grand Dynamics training with our company and representing business and doing programs together. So we've been doing a lot of experiential training and leadership development together as a as a business collaborative 
um, partnership. And so when he was actually involved in this thing, which the story is super fascinating, like his behind the scenes story and everything that happened, um, you know, he when he got he got benighted by the Thai government because of his role. It was essentially a facilitator between the Thai military and the rescue teams that facilitated the decision to get these these boys uh, rescued. And there's a lot more to it to that. But um, when that was done, you know, Josh suddenly was being courted by, you know, L.A. producers to do a movie and to do books and everything like that. And I kept going, Josh, there we got to talk a lot about this because there's a lot of lessons that people could learn from, not just the inspiration of the story, because it's one of the greatest rescues in history ever, um, but everything that happened behind the scene, the cultural impact of how the decisions were made and all the different um, silos that happened between the rescue teams and the process that everyone went through to actually make that a success behind the scenes. Because there's lots of different movies and you're going to see the movies and you'll be like, oh, well, but there's as much as you see, there's 10 times more behind it. And so for like, you know, three years, I was like, Josh, when are we going to turn this into an event? Like, you know, come on, let's do this, you know? And finally he was like, okay, I'm ready. And so we, we put together some amazing, amazing experiential events based on the Thailand cave rescue. We've turned transformed entire hotels into rescue scenarios, outdoor adventure experiences. Uh, we've done programs in actual caves um, and all over the country. And basically, we take a lot of things that happen behind the scene and we create experiences for people to have as a team building and leadership development experience where they go through and we present some of the similar challenges that that were faced during the Thailand Cave Rescue so that people can experience what those were and then learn the lessons and then apply them to their business and how they're working together. So um, we're actually in the process next week. I'm going to a place to create a um, a 500 person event based on on the Thailand Cave Rescue and some of the all in concepts as well too. So, um, yeah, super super fascinating. You can check it out. There's it's under unique experiences on the Grand Dynamic website. There's a bunch of videos and conference rooms and hotels and all that sort of stuff. People want to check check out some of the videos on that. Absolutely, yeah. very very cool integration of of what you're talking about. This in, in this case a real life experience that happened and how to make that something that we can all learn from. Very cool. And it brings me to thinking by now people are interested, they want to know more. How do they find you? Where can they where can they get the book? Kind of give them some of those so they can start following you. Yeah, well, uh, the, we do have the website, All In Adventure Stories. So the title of the book, you can go to the website and um, you can put your you know name and email in, in there because we're going to be doing a whole series of virtual events with interviews with people that were in the book and strategies that are really the stories behind the stories. So if you want to be involved in that, then they can get more information and be really kind of involved in building the community of inspiring other people through um, learning some of these lessons and making good decisions in adventure situations and things like that. So all in adventure stories.com, you can go and, and sign up there. And if people are interested in the, the business aspect, experiential events, team events, executive recruits, that type of thing, it's granddynamics.com. Um, and they're both interrelated, uh, or the all in adventure stories is part of the grand dynamics. Uh, but the grand dynamics is really the corporate event side of things. So if people are interested in in that, then they can go to grand dynamics and and 
find out about the various different programs we have and and contact us that way. And if people have feedback about the book, you can email me, Tim at granddynamics.com. The people uh, you know, interested in keynote speeches and, and things like that, where I'm super excited to to create, you know, the intention is uh, a couple things around the book. One is to create a series of experiences that people can go and just sign up for for the public. Largely, my career has been delivering um, private corporate experiences, and uh, the intention right now is to is to begin to offer these different experiences, whether it's a multi-day free diving experience or canyoneering or mountain climbing, that people can come and experience some of the strategies firsthand um, in an open enrollment retreat type format in 2024. And then, you know, the one thing we we haven't talked about yet, kind of the big picture of my the book concept really is this idea that everyone has their own adventure story, right? And um, what is your adventure story? And um, I was inspired, one of my mentors, Jack Canfield, who actually did an interview uh, not, not too um, long ago about the book and everything. Um, he, you know, one of the most you know, the biggest influencers in the world, most selling author, I think he's probably number one. Um, anyway, the chicken soup for the soul series that he had. Part of my big picture was uh, I want to create a series ongoing where people can share their chapters and we create some ongoing all in adventure stories series, um, kind of like the chicken soup for the soul of uh, adventure, right? So People can also submit a chapter. So you can go to All in Adventure Stories. If you want to share your story and have someone amazing like Kelly help to get that chapter out to the world, then uh, we're going to have that be an option too. So those are all the different ways. So good. I'm really glad that you brought that up. I wanted to make sure we mentioned that, um, that people are, you are going to be starting to compile these stories because, you know, my mentor, Todd Durkin, always has the quote, live a life worth telling a story about. And we all have a story. So what is your story? And are you interested in sharing it? Get on the site, submit your story, and uh, Tim will start compiling those. So I, I think that's a really, another way to contribute, right? Another another way to give back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's that's it. Super, super. I, and I just have to say, like, thank you so much for your patience and your help and, you know, your guidance and the constant review of all the different chapters and iterations and yeah uh what was the word i think rick when he first said he said uh was it a no i was gonna say a saint but i think the word he used <laughs> was was an angel and i think you know it, it required an angel to help me get through this project considering it's taken you know four or five years to actually get through the thing to see it to fruition. So I can't thank you enough, Kelly. Thank you so much for your, for your well, help. You know that it's been my absolute pleasure. It has been a, a, an adventure that I have enjoyed every step of the way. And I know it's only the beginning of, of our continued connection. So um, I'm, I'm as thrilled and excited that this is out as you are. <laughs> and um, I'm looking forward to, to sharing it with, so many people because there's so much to give from this book. So it's my pleasure. Thank you for, for trusting us with the process and, and for, for doing this journey, going on this journey with us. It's been, it's been amazing.
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and people can buy the book on Amazon. It'll be on June thirteenth, the big release on Amazon. June thirteenth, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, all right. Before we go, I just want to ask one final question because it's a question I ask all of our authors, and it just has to go with the the title of the podcast. Was it? It's just it just takes one, and I always think it just takes one is is a really deep question. And everybody's answer is different. So it's always interesting and intriguing just to kind of goes to your trip questions, right? Where you would find a question to ask and then kind of let people give you a response. So my trip question is, what does it just takes one mean to you? Mm. It's a great question. Uh, and I think it could be, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can respond to that. But the thing that comes to mind immediately uh, is the word satori you know what that word is i don't yeah it's uh as far as i understand it the word means a flash of enlightenment and there are moments that we all have uh some related to the moment you choose a major life decision whether it's to get married maybe it's to start a new career maybe it's to leave a relationship maybe it's to make a decision to do something that is scary to you to to decide to commit to go all in on whatever that adventure is that you have these moments will come right and it takes one moment when it happens to listen to your heart and to take it in and to embrace that moment and say yes i'm going to follow through on the dream that I have, that it's come to me. This flash has come to you for a reason. Don't deny it, accept it, and take the next forward, next step to, to bring it to fruition. Yeah, there's lots of details to, to, to making all those different things happen, but when you have something big, you have that grandiose vision, you have that dream that you want to have to come fruition, these flashes will come to you. Listen to them, embrace them, and then decide to take the next steps to to begin the process to to make it happen. So that's the the one to me. I love that. Love that Satori, a new word for me, um, but a, a a really interesting, thoughtful comment. You know, when those moments of enlightenment happen, when you get that flash, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Yeah, that's Fantastic. right. Go all in. That's what you're going to do. Go all in. Exactly right. Tim, thank you. Thank you for going all in with this. And uh, thank you for sharing your story so that we can continue to grow and find our edge and, and learn from the lessons and challenges of our own lives. I will be in touch and uh, I wish you all the best. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me and making the time and have a great time in Scotland. And I look forward to hearing about your next adventure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wow, that was so fun. <laughs> I have been waiting so long to be able to do that interview. And I knew that when that time came, it meant that the book was done and Tim was finally going to be able to share these incredible stories and lessons learned and ideas and thoughts with all of you. I hope that you got something from this episode that you will take away and use and apply in your own life. Tim shared so many nuggets, uh, so much wisdom, 
and lessons that I think we can all take away and use in our life. And I just want to reiterate one point, because I think there's a little bit of an intimidation factor when you hear about somebody who is adventuring at this epic level. And I want to remind all of you that adventure does not have to be epic in the sense of hanging off cliffs or skydiving or free diving. Adventure is the spice of life. Adventure can be as simple as taking a new road to work. It can mean listening a little closer to our children. It can mean taking our spouse or our partner on a date night. It can mean certainly going off and doing something epic. Maybe you have a dream of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or doing something like that physical kind of adventure, but it doesn't have to be. But here's the thing, adventure adds something to our lives that nothing else can. Adventure allows us to challenge ourselves, as Tim describes, to go to our edge and then learn that we can actually go even a little more. And I think that is something that is important for all of us. It's so easy to get content and to sit on the couch and to come up with all the excuses of why we can't or aren't going to do whatever. But when we do, when we step up and we try to do something a little bit more challenging, it helps us grow in so many ways. And when we grow and when we get better, it helps everybody around us get better as well. So if you are lacking adventure in your life, I am going to encourage you to find ways to incorporate it regularly into what you're doing. It's going to make you better. And if you need some inspiration on that, please go out and buy the book and follow Tim. I'm sure that it won't take much for you to get motivated by what he's doing. And I hope you will continue to follow him. Um, there's great things ahead for him as well. As always, thank you for joining us for this episode of It Just Takes One. Thank you for following us. If you have not subscribed, please do so that you can be notified when new episodes arrive. And in the meantime, if you are someone who has been thinking about sharing your story, if you have a dream of writing a book and would like to begin that process, then please check us out at scripturepublishinggroup.com. Set up a short phone call and we can sit down and talk about what you want to do. And if there's any way we can make it happen, we'd love to work with you. That's it for me today. Thank you for joining It Just Takes One. And now it's time for you to go out and be the one. 